Good morning, everyone. It's the 6th of September. It's Wednesday morning. It's going to be a short week because of Labor Day. Anyway, Mark is continuing to read the doctrinal election. He's in Chapter 8. He's ready for Part 3. If anybody's interested in getting a copy of this book of Mark's reading, you can go to greatchristianbooks.com and get it. It would be an excellent addition to your library. There's not a lot of books written on the election. And I think Pink does a superior job about the subject. Let's look for a moment at a prayer of one of God's people. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest, and thy people will visit me with thy salvation. Psalm 11, 6, 4. Now, my reader, you are either earnestly seeking that favor by which the Lord remembers his people, or you are not. It is only when we are brought to the place when we are pressed down with the sense of our sinfulness and vileness that we can say in our souls before God, O visit me with thy salvation. But the psalmist did not stop there. No more must we, must we, went on to say that I may see the good of thy chosen. That I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with, glory with thine inheritance. Verse 5. God's like pray for and seek after that which no other men pray for and seek after. They long to see the good of God's chosen. They seek to be saved with his salvation and dwell in the order of his everlasting covenant, eternal establishment. Second effect of spiritual witness is the bringing of, of us to submit to God's sovereignty. Not only do God's like pray for something which no other men Great for they do so in a different manner from all others. They approach the Almighty not as equals but as beggars. They make requests of Him and not demands, and they present their requests in strict subversity to His own imperial will. How utterly different are their humble petitions from the arrogance and dictatorialness of empty professors. They know they have no claims upon the Lord, that they deserve no mercy in his hands, therefore they raise no outcry against his express assertion. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Romans 9.15 That person whose heart is indwelled by the Spirit of God makes his place in the dust and says with pious Eli, So Lord, let him do what Seemeth him good for Samuel 3 at 318. We read in Matthew 23 of a number of men standing idle in the marketplace, which we understand signify that they were not actively engaged in devil's service, but that they had not yet been entered at God's service. Their attitude was, indic- attitude was indicative. Desire to be religious very well, said the Lord, go and work in my vineyard. But a little later, the Lord of the vineyard displays his sovereignty, and they were highly displeased. The Lord gave unto the last, even as unto the first, and they murmured, the Lord answered, I do thee no wrong. It's not law for me to do what I will with mine own. Verse 15, that was what happened to them. They would not submit to his sovereignty, yet he exercised outstanding. Is thine eye evil because I am good, he asked, and still asked everyone who in the Pride and unbelief in his heart rise up against God and discriminate in grace, but not so with God's elect. They bow before his throne and leave themselves entirely in his hands. Third, God's elect have imparted to them the filial spirit so that they have the affections of dirt and beautiful children to their Heavenly Father. 
inspires us with the awe of his majesty so that they are conscious of every evil way, draws out their hearts and love to God so that they crave constant enjoyment of his smiling countenance, esteeming fellowship with him above all the uh, privileges. The filial spirit produces confidence for God so that they plead his promises, count on his mercy, lie on his goodness, his high authority is respected, and they tremble on his word. That filial spirit produces subjection to God, so that they desire to obey Him in all things, sincerely endeavor, so that they desire to obey Him in all things, sincerely endeavor to walk according to His commandments and precepts. True, they are not. True, they are very far from being that they should be what they would would be, could their earnest longings be realized. Nevertheless, and is their fervent desire to please Him in all their ways, the Spirit Himself beareth witness. With our spirit that we are the children of God, Romans 8:16, the office of witness to give testimony or supply evidence, the purpose of adducing proof either of innocence or guilt. This may be seen from which show the work of the law written in their hearts or consciences, also bearing witness and their thoughts of meaning one accusing or else accusing one another, Romans 2:15. The heathen had not received a written revelation from God, as was the case with the Jews. Nevertheless, they were as creatures accountable to him, subject to his authority, and will yet be judged by him. The grounds on which their responsibility rests are the revelation which God has made himself in nature, which renders him without excuse. Romans 1.19.20, the work of the law written on their hearts, which is rationality or the light of nature. Their moral instincts instruct them in the difference between right and wrong. Mourn of the future day of reckoning on their conscience. Also, verse witness applies the evidence to God as their governor and judge. Now, the Christian has a renewed conscience and supplies the proof that he's a renewed person. Consequently, one of God's elect, we trust we have a good conscience all things we're going to live. Honestly, Hebrews 13:18. The bent of his heart was for God and obedience to him. Not only does Christian sincerely desire to uh, honor God and be honest with his fellows, but he makes them genuine endeavor therein too. Herein do I exercise myself to have also a conscience word of offense toward God and toward men. Acts 24:16. His office of a good conscience to witness favorably for us and unto us. To it, the Christian may appeal. Paul did so again and again. For example, in Romans 9, 1, we find him declaring, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, which means that his conscience testified of sincerity in the matter. Thus we see again how Scripture interprets Scripture, Romans 2, 15 and 9, 1, we find the meaning of our spirit bearing witness. Adducing evidence establishing the verity of the case, Romans 8, 16, declares that our spirit is supported by the Holy Spirit, furnished the proof of the assurance of God. The apostle goes on to show of children errors, verse 17, and God's elect, verse 33. Now this witness of our spirit is a testimony of our heart and conscience purged and sanctified by the blood of Christ and testifies in two ways. By inward tokens in itself, by our proofs is this so little understood today. We must enlarge our on thus inward tokens are certain special graces implanted in our spirit at new birth whereby a person may be certainly assured of his divine adoption. Therefore, of his election to salvation, those tokens regard first our sins and second the mercy of God in Christ. For the sake of clarity, we will consider the former in connection with our sins, past, present, and to come.
Thank you, Mark. You all have a good day today. We'll continue this tomorrow, the good Lord being in the matter.